Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. You are tuned in to Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. So once again, thank you for joining us tonight. And full full disclosure here, folks, I, I can't hide it any longer. When I was a, a younger man than I am today, I was a huge, perhaps the hugest in the world, fan of the Smashing Pumpkins. So way back in 2000, back when the Smashing Pumpkins were originally going to break up, ha, 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 I actually traveled from my hometown of Calgary, Alberta, Canada, to Chicago, Illinois, for their, well, the second last concert, and I stood outside during the last concert and, uh, and you know, cried my tears of sadness at the uh, the breakup of the greatest rock band of all time. So uh, so I do and have for some time felt an affinity for the Windy City. I'm not even sure if that's justified, but it was an amazing experience even to just be there for a few days. Quite an amazing city. And I must say that the uh, the bums playing uh, playing drums on on the back of upturned ice cream tubs had more musical talent in their pinky finger than um, most of the people in Calgary have in their entire body. So it was an absolutely fantastic experience, and I uh, I very much have been following Chicago off and on for many years now. So tonight it is my great honor to bring in someone from the Windy City of Chicago and to tell us about what's happening there and to get into the Chicago political machine and how things are going under the reign of King Ram Emanuel, Ram Israel Emanuel no less. So tonight we have a guest, uh, Julio Rauseo, up tonight to talk about Chicago and what's going on there. Julio, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, James, uh, I'm a big fan of your work, uh, and it's a huge honor to be on your program tonight. And uh, you talked about that Smashing Pumpkins show. I actually listened to that show live on a station now. It's a FM news station, but it was on Q101 in Chicago, and I remember listening to that Q101. show live. Yeah. I, re- I remember Q101, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I have to start the interview out, as I would with anyone I meet from Chicago. Do you know Billy? I do not know Billy Corgan, <laughs> unfortunately, but I'm a huge Pumpkins fan, and I'm, a, I'm even more of a Billy Corgan fan now, knowing that he's uh, awake and he's talking about the issues that I talk That's about right. with some of yeah, my Yeah, I was surprised to see that, but I remember a year or two ago I saw an interview that he was doing with someone from the Sex Pistols, and they were talking about chemtrails and genetically modified foods and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's gotten into that a little bit over the past couple of years. It's quite interesting to see. But enough about the Smashing Pumpkins. Let's talk about yourself. Um, this is your first time on the program, obviously, so perhaps you can tell us a little bit about where you're coming from and how you got into all of this. Oh, I would love to. And, and again, thank you so much for, for having me on. It's a, it's a huge honor. And hello to your uh, big listening audience internationally and here <clears throat> in the States. My apologies. I got a little bit of a, a raspy voice today, so hopefully I can uh, make it through the show. Uh, but uh, I'm Julio Noel Rauseo, uh, recent graduate of uh, Western Illinois University in Macomb. And I was lucky to go to that school because that's where I was able to uh, to wake up, take the red pill, and be consciously aware of what's going on in society. Uh, I studied broadcasting in college. Uh, I've always wanted to be a broadcaster. Uh, more on the sports side of things. I was obsessed with sports. I wanted to be a play-by-play announcer, similar to like a Marv Albert or, uh, or Howard Cosell, you know, some of the great names. So that's what I wanted to be, uh, all my life until, uh, until college. I was able to do sports announcing for my four years in school, but, uh, my sophomore year of college, I was able to see, 
the film Zeitgeist. And I don't agree with all of that movie, but there was one particular part with John Perkins, uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, that woke me up to where I am today. Well, certainly, absolutely, I think John Perkins uh, has woken a lot of people up to what's really going on behind the scenes. So it's certainly people who haven't checked out what he's done. I hope they will. And on that note, let's take a short break. We'll be right back with Julio Rauseo talking about Chicago and the Chicago political machine here on Corbett Report Radio. Once again, you can join us live on the program, 1-800-313-9443. Okay, friends, we're back. We're here on Corbett Report Radio tonight. Of course, I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you all the way from the sunny climes of western Japan. But all the way from the frigid climes of the Windy City, we have Julio Rauseo talking about the Chicago political machine and the political environment there since Rahm Emanuel took over the reign as mayor of the Windy City. And that's an unfortunate thing for the inhabitants of Chicago and people in Illinois generally, I would say. But uh, but Julio, before the break, we were talking a little bit about your background and how you started to uh, to become aware and swallow the red pill, so to speak. And let's talk a little bit about some of the work you've done, uh, just to introduce it to people who haven't found it online yet. There's uh, there's lots of great reports that you've done with uh, Gary Franchi and with We Are Change. Perhaps you can talk about some of that work. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, uh, you know, my first big thing I ever did was, uh, thanks to the help of Gary Franchi and uh, RTR.org, and that was uh, my interview with Wayne Matson of WayneMatsonReport.com. And if people want, uh, want to look, the, look up the video, it's Exposed Rahm Emanuel and the Chicago Political Syndicate. And I, I remember I had an internship with one of the uh, top TV stations in Chicago back in the summer of uh, 2010, hearing Wayne Matson uh, talk about, uh, you know, we'll talk about it more as the show goes on, about you know, Rahm Emanuel and what's really going on in Chicago. I spoke with Wayne and we worked for a couple of months to try to, to do an interview together since I was away in college. And it just, just so happened I was on, on my winter break uh, in the start of 2011 and uh, we were able to do that interview. And um, with We Are Change Chicago, I met up with some of those guys uh, back in October of uh, 2011. And that was... Uh, in the midst of Herman Cain fever, it was Cain of Palooza. Everyone couldn't get enough of <laughs> Herman Cain and and nine nine nine. And uh, he was speaking at uh, this event called TCon here in uh, a suburb of Chicago. And I went there, and you know, as the video shows, uh, you can just look up Herman Cain confronted uh, on the Federal Reserve. You can look that up on YouTube. I just went up to him and asked him in a you know professional journalistic approach about the federal reserve his ties to the kansas city federal reserve board and just where specifically in the constitution it states that the federal reserve uh, is legal and i got to i got him to admit that the federal reserve is isn't in the constitution at all uh so that was a big success and uh currently i'm uh doing some side work with uh a couple of guys at the uh, wttw radio network welcome to the war and you can check them out, WTTW uh, Network, and just doing some side stuff currently. And uh, it's, I also did work with uh, Adam Kokesh and Gary Franchi on exposing the Wheeler Block Party at my university back in 2011. For those listening at home, just picture the events of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 
or Toronto, Ontario, or London, England during the G8 or G20 protest, and that's what happened in my school. Sound cannon weapons, police with uh, shields just coming up and pretty much doing a live training exercise on the students. Well, let, let's talk about that for the people who didn't hear about that Wheeler Street block party in, in Macomb, Illinois. Talk a little bit about that and how that really came about. Um, well, since I was uh, a student at Western, we, we've had a, an end-of-the-year party called uh, the Wheeler Block Party, just a, a street, a college town off campus. Each household has uh, you know, a, a party, and you know, people just have a good time, just what you see at, a, at your normal college town. And uh, the year before, it got kind of out of hand, and the university president sent out a mass email to all the students letting us know uh, the Monday before that uh, event were, was to take place that there was going to be a in- increase of police presence. And for those that don't know, Western Illinois in Macomb, it's a big law enforcement school. It's the top law enforcement school in the state. So... Uh, Throughout the course of that week, I heard from various students who don't know each other, but I knew them from my various classes. They all told me that there, there were going to be riot officers and we were going to see uh, Illinois State Police in a huge increase. And so that Saturday, I told my friends, look, look out for potential age of provocateurs. Just look out for anything out of the ordinary that uh, – that you may may seem as strange, and so as the week uh, as that party went on, everything was pretty tame for the most part. No students were getting out of hand uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And then, you know, just like out of a scene of a movie, we had Illinois State Police, uh, the city police, campus police, as well as the county sheriff, and uh, FEMA gave. Uh, it's Illinois branch, uh, a grant to bring out riot officers and, you know, an LRAD sound cannon weapon and uh, military-grade pepper spray to this event. And so the police leave, and, you know, just like out of a scene of a movie, within 20 seconds, I see, which later turned out to be law enforcement students and an ROTC student, tear down a stop sign while the police were watching, mind you, and allowed this to take place so they can bring in their toys like the shielded officers, the LRAT sound cannon weapon, and, and pretty much created havoc on a small town of 20,000 people, 13,000 which consist of the student body. Well, sadly enough, as exactly as you indicate, just another sign of the false flag provocateuring that we've seen at so many of the G20 protests in recent years from Toronto, Canada to London, England and Pittsburgh, of course, uh, so many places. And unfortunately, it's just such a common tactic. And uh, and once again, it's just part of that rollout of the police state and putting it in everyone's face. But as you indicate, I think one of the uh, the blockbuster reports that you did was that interview with Wayne Madsen talking about the Chicago Political Syndicate. And once again, for people who haven't seen that, I'll put the link in the show notes for tonight's episode so you can watch that. Quite an incredible interview, lots of uh, amazing interview information that came out of that. Perhaps you can tell people a little bit about what Wayne Madsen indicated there. Oh, yeah, I would love to. It's uh, Little did I know that that interview was going to be, you know, 58 minutes long. And it, it, it's a lengthy 
uh, special presentation, but it's definitely worth the time to sit and watch. And, uh, Wayne, Wayne and I, essentially we talked about how, uh, the whole Governor Rod Lagojevich scandal, his corruption trial, really had, had ties around Rahm Emanuel and Barack Obama. Now, Patrick Fitzgerald, who was the state's attorney in the state of Illinois, he had mentioned in his press conference the day they arrested Blagojevich that they have 500 hours of wiretap recordings, uh, so much information that it would make uh, Abraham Lincoln roll over in his grave. Unfortunately, those 500 hours, all of them weren't released to the general public nor to the jury, which uh, raised a big red flag to me and as well as Wayne Manson. So Wayne came down to Chicago and found out that, you know, Blagojevich is known throughout the state and, you know, throughout the city of Chicago as having, you know, a big mouth. He, just like Rahm Emanuel, foul mouth at times. And throughout those wiretap recordings, Bogoyevich made jokes and references to uh, Rahm Emanuel and Barack Obama's uh, secretive, sort of say, homosexual ties. Now, you know, I'm a libertarian. Whatever floats your boat, if you like, you know, relations with the same sex, that's, that, that's your prerogative. That's fine with me. As long as you don't harm me, that's okay. But when it comes down to politicians being blackmailed by their secretive past, that's when I have a problem. And we, as we uncover in this interview, you know, Rahm Emanuel, Barack Obama, both a part of what's known as the upscaled bathhouse of Chicago, known as Man's Country, which is located uh, in a cluster of the north side of Chicago, which is called Boys Town. And people can look this up on YouTube or, or on Google, just type in Boys Town, Chicago, and that particular area will will appear. And during these 500 hours of wiretap recordings, Bogoyevich poked fun at Obama and Emmanuel's ties to the, you know, to their, to, to man's country and so forth. And that was one of the big reasons why they had to silence Blagojevich and not have that type of information released to the general public. And we also go into Rahm Emanuel's family. Rahm Emanuel, his family, very, very strong political family. And you look at his brother, Ari Emanuel, we, we go in uh, at length in the interview. Ari Emanuel is a super Hollywood agent who is the head of William Morris Endeavor, which is a big Hollywood talent agency, which has the who's who of clientele. And that's that's a big, very big uh, point to talk about because you CNN had a, a piece a couple weeks ago which talked about Obama and his Hollywood donations, how that's going to be a big, big uh, part of his 2012 uh, campaign cycle and trying to get these celebrities behind him to have the public, you know, feel, oh, you know, if my favorite celebrity likes Obama, then, you know, I should like him too. And we, if you if you look at that clientele from Matt Damon to uh, Ben Affleck and just the who's who of Hollywood A-listers who support Obama, the question has to, has to arise, are they 
are they themselves kind of being blackmailed or, or forced to support this? And if you look at the annals of history, Hollywood's ties to communism uh, back in the 60s and the CIA's ties with that, uh, it, it, it's just very, very frightening to know that, you know, Rahm Emanuel's brother is a super agent controlling the actions of Hollywood. Exactly right, and happens to be the agent for Michael Moore as well. So um, oh, it's all just one big incestuous family, unfortunately. And of course, we don't know what's really going on behind the scenes, but we get glimpse behind the uh, curtain like that. So uh, fascinating stuff. Let's continue talking on that note. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back with Julio Rauseo talking about the Chicago Political Syndicate. Back to the broadcast, friends. James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Tonight, we are talking to Julio Rauseo about Chicago and the dirty dealings that go on in the infamous mob-infested city. And unfortunately, sometimes the stereotype does unfortunately play out in real life. And uh, there's no doubt that the Chicago political machine and apparatus has long been in the hands of the... Well, the mob-connected uh, elite, unfortunately, and we've seen many different aspects of that. And before the break there, Julio, you brought up the the, uh, the issue of Blagojevich, of course, quite a, a big scandal when it was first breaking in 2009, and, and there was a lot of media coverage of it. Uh, not so much coverage of the fact that a few months ago in December, he was sentenced to 14 years in federal prison. And of course, as you indicated with that Wayne Madsen interview, part of the implication is part of the reason that he was put away was to uh, to shut him up about the the shenanigans that were going on at Boys Town and the Man's Country uh, scandal and the pickup basketball uh, with Rahm Emanuel and Barack Obama and other political connected elites. Um, another part of that scandal was interestingly that one day before the charges were first brought against him, uh, Blagojevich had ordered the uh, the state. Uh, government to basically stop all business affiliation with the Bank of America because of its business practices. Quite a interesting timing on the uh, the swooping in to, uh, to scoop him up after that. And We Are Change Chicago did get the chance to ask him about that back in December 2009. Again, that's on YouTube under Rod Blagojevich Uncensored. But do you have any other thoughts on Blagojevich and what that scandal really showed about the way the Chicago political process works? Uh, well, it goes to show, James, that if you know too much and you speak and you speak too much or you say the certain things, certain you know certain wrong things, that you're going to get caught up and you're going to be exposed or thrown under the bus. And for those that don't know, you know Blagojevich, Obama, guys like characters like Tony Resco, uh, Rahm Emanuel, Arne Duncan. Uh, Valerie Jarrett, uh, you know, even guys like players like Jesse Jackson and Jesse Jackson Jr. All of them are a part of this, you know, Chicago Democratic mob. And, you know, Blagojevich just had to be the fall guy, similar to Tony Resco, who's in jail uh, as well. And it's just, it, it just boggles my mind, James, truly, that in the city, uh, like Chicago, which is the third largest media market in the country behind New York and Los Angeles, that the reporters, and I was an intern at one of the top stations in Chicago during the Blagojevich trial. I mean, 
behind the scenes, every reporter thought Blagojevich was guilty. Every reporter thought that, you know, he was going to be convicted. So it was quite easy for them in their reporting to, to slant the perception of Rob Blagojevich to, to make him seem like he was one of the worst governors in state, in the state's history. And when you have the power and the influence over the media, that can take place. And you mentioned Bank of America. I, I urge your audience to look up Rahm Emanuel's campaign contributions from the FEC, and you will find <laughs> you'll find contributions from Bank of America. Bank of America is huge in the city of Chicago. They have a, a big theater uh, in in downtown Chicago. Uh, the Pritzker family, which also has ties to uh, gaming, they're trying to build casinos in Chicago. They're the ones that have been funding uh, Emanuel's campaign. They have ties to Bank of America. So, like you said, it's very coincidental that the day before he gets arrested, he is going after uh, Bank of America. Well, more than coincidental, I think, but uh, obviously that's that's for people to, to decide for themselves. But certainly when you start to look at it, it does seem that way that he has been sort of put up there as the fall guy, and it's like the uh, the uh, Elliot... Um Spitzer, am I? Yeah, <laughs> am I confusing Spitzer. him with? Yeah, right. Where he uh, was, he came out with his article talking about all the the blatant fraud that was going on in the derivatives markets, and then then he gets caught up in the in the call girl scandal. So again, I mean, certainly, and I wouldn't want this to be that type of dialectic where we argue that Blagojevich and Spitzer and people like that are are good people and and you know they're spotless. I, I think it it unfortunately sets up that dialectic, but uh, but the point is that they have this uh, this black dirt on everybody so if if there's any sign that these people are going to start rocking the boat so to speak it's quite easy to just uh sink them like the titanic at the basically the push of a button correct and you had Bogoyevich get sent to jail and one of the big points in his case uh from the media's perspective and you know from u.s attorney patrick Fitzgerald was that he was trying to sell president-elect obama's senate seat now Let's let's fast forward when Rahm Emanuel stepped down as the White House Chief of Staff to become to, to run for mayor of Chicago. Weeks beforehand, Mayor Daley, Richard Daley, who's who's also a criminal. I mean, he's no saint by any stretch of the imagination. He and Rahm Emanuel are just different in terms of how they personify their power in the city. But Mayor Daley was emphatic he was not going to step down, that he was gonna run for reelection. In 2011, that he, you know, he was going to try to become the mayor again, and then all of a sudden he drops out, and then days later, Rahm Emanuel steps down as the chief of staff, runs as the mayor, and then days later, Bill Daly is the new chief of staff. Now, you know, some could say we're being conspiratorial, but he was doing the same thing allegedly Blagojevich was doing, selling the chief of staff seat for the mayor's seat. Absolutely. I mean, just there's no doubt about that, really, when you start to take a look at it. But on that note, again, we'll take a short break. Once again, if you want to get in on tonight's conversation, 1-800-313-9443. And we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Right off the silver screen Into a moonbeam To the 
Curious, that is Owada by the Smashing Pumpkins, which is, of course, available for free download as part of their new 44-song, um, I don't know what to call it, album, I suppose, that's now available, uh, at least in part, for free download on their website. So for those of you out there who are interested in that, and of course we are talking about Chicago tonight and the Windy City and all of the backroom politics that go along with that, and uh, we've broached, of course, the Blagojevich scandal, but of course now we have to, I think, start getting into the meat and potatoes of what's going on there in the in the here and now, which is, of course is the reign of Mayor Emanuel, Ram Israel Emanuel, who unfortunately did take over the reins from Daly and uh, basically did a swap for the Chief of ha- Staff of the White House position, as we talked about earlier. So let's start talking about Chicago under the reign of Mayor, Mayor Rahm and what he's been doing and there's just so many different aspects to this. And, of course, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the changes that he's made to the Chicago schools, for example. Or, of course, there's the, the upcoming uh, NATO conference, which is going to be held there. Of course, the G8, G20 has been switched to Camp David, uh, presumably to actually reduce the amount of brouhaha than security that would have been required. But, of course, there will still be, you know, assassin squads and all of that in town for the NATO conference. All sorts of amazing, incredible things centering around Chicago in this age of Obama. So, Julio, let's start getting into what's happening right now in Chicago. Well, you know, James, one of my one of my worst fears over the last couple of years was the mumbles of Rahm Emanuel wanting to be mayor of Chicago. And then all of a sudden, it, unfortunately, that nightmare is coming true and it, it, it is going to be a reign of terror and it it, it it already is in a sense with Rahm Emanuel and it's funny because I joked with friends leading up to him you know becoming mayor I was like watch he's going to become mayor and we're going to see you know a G20 event in the city I just have a feeling it, it just fits Rahm Emanuel's MO and then you know here we come you know him lobbying to get the G8 NATO summits coming to Chicago and that's going to be his his perfect playground, a perfect setup for the police state. Uh, just recently, uh, it was uh, addressed that Rahm Emanuel is preparing to to purchase more uh, police wear. Uh, this is from the Chicago Sun Times reporting. Uh, Emanuel bought eight thousand five hundred and thirteen more face shields for the NATO summits. Uh, I. I don't understand why he would need that many, uh, you know, face shields for for these summits. But if you if you can tell from history, the mayor is getting set for something for something huge, and already he's coerced and deceived the Chicago aldermen into granting Rahm Emanuel full authority over the city of Chicago uh, during these NATO summits. Now, you know, that could, you know, anyone with a good imagination could just picture what Rahm Emanuel could do with, with that authority. And unfortunately he's been giving that, he's been given that authority. And, you know, just, just as history shows with previous NATO summits or G8 summits, Chicago is going to get turned into a police state. And that's exactly what Rahm Emanuel wants. Uh, He's these new, uh, Speed cameras, you know, Emanuel sold it as a way to uh, keep accidents, 
down in school zones, you know, 25 miles per hour in a school zone, where Rahm Emanuel and the city are going to have speed cameras, thousands of speed cameras all throughout the city. And, you know, what's uh, coincidental or interesting enough is one of one of the consultants of the Speedway cameras that Rahm Emanuel is getting set to uh, have throughout the city, a, a guy named Greg Goldner, who was an old campaign manager for Rahm Emanuel, is now the media consultant for these uh, speed, uh, speed cameras. So again, these backroom deals are happening at the same time. They're looting the public of their hard-earned money by these ridiculous speed uh, speed camera zones throughout the city. And, of course, that's also just another step into that technological police state that uh, is part of the rollout agenda that's that's going on in unison across the country and is just sort of the microcosm there in Chicago. Let's talk about the context of this. I mean, what kind of a police state is Chicago generally? And I might point people to a story that just came out, for example, on NBCChicago.com, uh, police handcuff NBC Chicago photojournalist. It says uh, Chicago police took two members of the media into custody custody Saturday, including an NBC Chicago photographer. Photographer Dante Williams and WGN reporter Dan Ponce was detained as they attempted to cover the story of a six-year-old girl who was shot and killed. Crews were standing on a sidewalk outside Mount Sinai Hospital where the police had been taken. And uh, suffice it to say, they end up getting arrested and and detained for ten minutes. Um, Just ridiculous, but unfortunately, I think just signs of the general police state in Chicago. Perhaps you can talk to that and uh, tell us about what the situation is like there. Well, that that instance, to me, was probably the first real sign of a major police state in Chicago on top of the Occupy protest uh, from back in, the win- back in the winter. Those two indications were the first, you know, public display of a police state in Chicago. It, it, it really wasn't out in the open similar to what you see in you know New York City or in other places throughout the country. But now with Rahm Emanuel as mayor, we'll see more signs of that. And as you mentioned with that rep- uh, those reporters covering a six-year-old being shot, in a sense, you know, it irates me as an as a independent reporter seeing this happen, but it could also be a blessing in the skies for these reporters to, to maybe realize just what's going to happen to the city but the well, that's an interesting gonna... point that's an interesting point because i've seen a lot of stories coming out recently um from cnn and other other main mainstream uh, outlets that are about the stories of reporters who get stopped at the airport for, by tsa for example and their their children get searched and of course they'll put the their their home you know camera footage up on 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 CNN to show oh this is going on but it's it's interesting to me it's like the reporters never actually realize this is going on or it, that it's a problem until it happens to them which is baffling i mean to, to, i suppose maybe not baffling because obviously they're just doing what they're assigned to do but uh but it is telling i think that a lot of these stories sen- tend to center on what happens to the reporters themselves and then it's a big issue that they want to cover right and on the reporting aspect, it, I just don't see much hard reporting on Rahm Emanuel. I, it's just the old, the old saying goes, you know, they, they just want the access. So they're not going to try to lose that precious access to the mayor of Chicago by doing a story that, that could make them look bad. And 
his uh, police superintendent in Chicago, Gary um, McCaffrey, who was a former police uh, director in Newark, New Jersey. He has ties uh, around 9-11. And this guy, if you just look at him, he has that mafioso uh, per- persona to him, similar to what a Rahm Emanuel is. So if the police do get out of line in the city, he may be trying you know, brush it off a bit you know, cover it up as much as they can. So we're going to see the police state escalate more and more in the city. It's going to be more out in the open than it has been in years past. Unfortunately so. And I think that is not just, I mean, we're not just talking about police on the ground, you know, being being thugs, jackbooted thugs. I mean, we're talking about all aspects of the state sort of interfering in people's lives. And I know there's been a lot of talk recently about some of the changes that uh, Ram has been trying to make in, for example, even the public school system. Can you talk about some of the other aspects of things that he's trying to, to get through right now? Oh, oh, a lot of it goes to his campaign contributions uh, with the Chicago public schools. You know, we made a deal with Comcast uh, Internet to provide, you know, affordable Internet access to the inner cities and the public schools in Chicago. But if you look at the campaign contributions, he has a boatload of contributions from the Comcast Corporation. So, again, he is making these insider deals with political donors. Uh, more recently, he was calling for uh, a firing of the lunch supervisor of the Chicago public schools. Uh, it's just outrageous to see uh, what what the mayor's trying to do here and you know james it, it, uh i, I kind of lost for words really with what with what rahm emanuel is trying to do more uh cameras at the uh subway stations rolling out tsa at union station in chicago one of the you know the biggest transportation hubs in the city it's just it's just a, a catastrophe really to see uh, what chicago's going to turn into and more recently he had uh a big globalist roundtable come in, uh, the OECD. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, James. The Organization of Economic... Uh, no, I can't do it. But yes, I do know the OECD. Yes, yes. So they had a, a big roundtable in Chicago over the weekend about transportation and and the economy. And it's what, you know, the who's who of globalist coming to Chicago and... That's what Rahm Emanuel is really going to, that's, I have a feeling his, his master plan for the city is turning it into, you know, that United Nations mega city model. And it, everything, all the stars are aligning to that. And. Yeah, the the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development for those playing along at home, OECD.org. Um, unfortunately, yes, just another globalist institution. And unfortunately, as you indicate, that's very much part of Emmanuel's agenda. And for people who don't really know about Emmanuel and his background and all of his shady connections and things, I, I did do a podcast episode on this about a year and a half ago. I hope people will, will check into that goes through some of this and uh, was certainly inspired, at least to a certain extent, by your, your conversation with Wayne Madsen, that breakthrough conversation that you did. Um, about some of those connections as well. So uh, he he does have this uh, this very connected background, we'll say, with lots of uh, nefarious connections. But of course, some of the things that he's actually said and done are are quite reprehensible, including his infamous statement that uh, that 
people uh, who have violated the the spirit of the American community and are thus on an, a terror watch list or a no-fly list or any one of these uh, ridiculous lists that they're coming up with and putting people on in quotas, as has come out now in, in mainstream reports, uh, anyone who's on one of those lists has to be seen as not part of the American family and thus does not deserve the right to own a gun. And of course, uh, the Second Amendment is pretty much non-existent in Chicago, but perhaps you can tell people more about how where that stands. Well, there was a uh, a ruling a couple a couple of months ago, or it was back in 2011 before Mayor Daley left, uh, overturning that decision. But of course, the mayor the next day tried to, you know, reauthorize it and go through uh, different channels to make, uh, you know, to sh- have stricter handgu- handgun laws. Uh, in the city of Chicago, and Rahm Emanuel is just is just continuing that, and it's unfortunate. You, we have so many shootings in the city, tons and tons of gang-related shootings. Yet Rahm Emanuel's uh, master plan is to, you know, go along the lines of Eric Holder, and and, and that's you know have massive gun laws take away that 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 Second Amendment right in the city. But if people do their do research, Rahm Emanuel also has connecting ties to uh, Operation Fast and Furious and allowing guns from Indiana. Now we all know about the guns being shipped in from Arizona through the Mexican border, but these are guns being shipped from Indiana, going across you know the state lines, Gary, Indiana, right across the Illinois Indiana border, just offside outside the city of Chicago, and that's happening under Rahm Emanuel's nose, yet he's not doing anything about it. Yet he has the uh, personification that he's willing to do anything to help the inner city people of Chicago. Yeah, help them by disarming them. That's that's definitely the way to go, especially when the criminals have the guns. We should make sure everyone else doesn't have any guns so they can't defend themselves. Absolutely true. So I had had the cough there for a second, James. (laughs) No problem. Well, uh, okay. Well, so we've we've talked a little bit about Emmanuel and 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 some of the things that he's doing. But I think one of the things that was very, looming very large at the time when Emmanuel was was running for mayor, let alone after having actually taken the reins, is the this looming specter of the. Uh, the, the, I suppose it's always there as, as an ever-present opportunity for the globalists is the next big false flag. And unfortunately, with Emmanuel at the helm, uh, Chicago seems like it could be very much a target for a type of false flag event. And there's been talk about the, uh, I don't know what you call it anymore, not the Sears Tower, but the, the big tower <laughs> and some I of the, uh, the connections. It, I, I, I still call it the Sears Tower, uh, d- despite the uh, the new owner's wanting us to call it the Willis Tower. It will forever right. be known Willis as Tower. the Sears. It will always be known as the Sears Tower in the city. But you're absolutely right. Wayne and I mentioned that towards the end of our, our interview uh, in January of 2011. And if you look at who the actors are, and if you read white papers, they call politicians actors. So if you look at the, at the actors currently, you have President Obama who... His quote-unquote hometown is Chicago. You have Rahm Emanuel, the mayor of Chicago, with his uh, Jewish ties. Now, uh, it's also good to note that his father, uh, Benjamin Emanuel, was a known terrorist himself back in uh, 1946, where he was a part of the bombing of the King David Hotel in Jerusalem. Uh, So Rahm Emanuel has the, you know, 
has those type of ties from his father. But again, Rahm Emanuel is Jewish, and we and we see these talking points about you know Iran and he, wanting to wipe Israel off the map and and so forth. That Chicago, in terms of psychologically trying to get the public to go to war, sell the public more of a police state, similar to what happened following 9-11, what perfect opportunity than to attack the quote-unquote president's hometown while its sitting mayor is Jewish. And, you know, I saw on your website, uh, James, about the MEK terrorist group, that uh, the Iranian terrorist group. And it, it was funny because I spoke with Wayne Matson. We did a piece I have yet to release on Rick Santorum, and Louis Free, who is friends with Rick Santorum, helped lobby the Justice Department, or the State Department, excuse me, to delist the MEK terrorist group uh, from their terrorist list. So right. they're they're not the terrorists. They're they're in fact, uh, Governor former Governor Howard Dean actually said, you know, Mariam Rajavi should be the president of Iran to a standing yeah. ovation in front of a, a crowd of people who are there to to talk about that. Yeah, the big big movement for delisting the MEK right now, which is well, not a good sign, I think. Right, and I, I agree with you. So, if this MEK group were to have a terrorist attack we know right there it's a false flag and you know i hear i hear the music for the break when we come back for those that don't know about chicago i can talk about some of the uh, the major transportation hubs and how a false flag could take place in chicago let's do it all right so on that note we'll be right back after these messages In the final minutes here of Corbett Report Radio, you're tuned into Republic Broadcasting, and I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Tonight, we've been talking to Julio Rauseo, talking about Chicago and the Chicago Political Syndicate. And just before the break, we were talking about the specter of a false flag terror attack taking place in the Windy City under the reign of King Ram. So, uh, so let's flesh that out a little bit and talk about uh, transportation infrastructure and other soft targets for a false flag. Right. Uh, well, currently there's a huge construction taking place literally right across from uh, the Sears Tower, which is known as Wacker, uh, Wacker Street in Chicago. For those that have seen uh, the Blues Brothers may be familiar with uh, Wacker Street. But that, that's currently in construction, and uh, that, that could be a potential target right there since it's so close to not only the Chicago River, but uh, Chicago Union Station, which is a mere couple of blocks away from the Sears Tower. Uh, Union Station, home of the suburban trains in Chicago, as well as Amtrak, a uh, huge hub uh, right in the heart of downtown Chicago. There's also the you know regular public uh, bus and train system. Uh, the train's not the best, uh, but... Still, those targets can be hit well, whether it's a biological attack or, you know, just uh, similar to uh, Benjamin Emanuel uh, in terms of bus bombing. Uh, but I, I truly feel, James, and I know you're feeling the same way, and I know other activists are, are, are sensing that Chicago really could be a good target for a false flag, just on what I mentioned before we went to break with, you know, the president's hometown and the mayor uh, 
being, you know, Jewish, he's, although he's tr- really a Zionist, but that's a subject for another day, uh, it, it, everything just fits into play so perfectly and psychologically speaking. And with this new executive order the president uh, fleshed out, it, it could be really easy to have uh, martial law in the streets. There's also all too easy, you know, absolutely. And of course, the NATO summit coming up in May is a prime t- and, opportunity. And that's my feeling. I think if any time we 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 could see a false flag in the city, it could be the NATO summits. When I heard they moved the G8 part of it to Camp David, uh, that really threw a red flag to me that something could could be up. And I'm working in the coming weeks with uh, a source uh, to to flush out some some good info on uh, the security parameters for the NATO summits, and I'll be more than happy to send some information your way, James. I would uh, love that. I think the uh, the listeners would like that, too, and uh, we're just in the final minute or so here, but if you could just uh, remind people how they can follow your work and throw out any websites where they can keep uh, keep abreast of your reporting. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at JN Reports. That's Twitter at JN Reports. Also, I'm on uh, YouTube. Uh, my YouTube name is uh, 1776 Umphreys, U-M-P-H-R-E-Y-S. I know it's a uh, long to spell, but uh, 1776 Umphreys. You can find my video, uh, Exposed Rahm Emanuel and the uh, Chicago Political Syndicate on YouTube as well. Or find me on Facebook, uh, Julio N. Rauseo on Facebook, and I'll be more than happy to, to add you on as a friend. Excellent. Well, of course, we didn't get a chance to cover everything that's going on. Way too much going on right now, but I hope people will uh, find you and start uh, following your work, because obviously just a lot of important stuff happening in Chicago and centering in Chicago right now. So so thank you so much for all of that, Julio. And uh, just as a final note, I, I note uh, I found on YouTube you had a uh, an addition for the Chicago Cubs public address, address uh, announcer <laughs> position. That I did. didn't come to anything, unfortunately. No, unfortunately not. Maybe they saw my Rahm Emanuel interview. (laughs) Maybe. How how great would that have been? Oh, well. I'm a Cubs fan myself, so I I know all about the misery. Anyway, uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. And uh, I hope everyone out there got a lot out of that. That's quite a lot of information. Once again, show notes in today's episode, CorbettReport.com slash radio. So that's it for tonight. And until tomorrow night, thank you for listening and take care.